Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast, where we talk with thought leaders throughout the advisory industry. We seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses while deepening client relationships. You know, I remember the marketing plans we made for 2020, the things we were going to do and the timeframes on which they would all be completed. I remember reviewing my travel plans and conference speaking slots and had everything booked and trying to figure out really how I'd get, be able to get to all the cities and events and still get my day job done. Well, then I got word at the end of February that all corporate travel was being canceled. And not long after that, we were told we'd be working remotely. We were just about to launch this podcast at that time and then had to record new intros for some of the sessions we had previously recorded that stated the research we'd be talking about was conducted prior to coronavirus because coronavirus seemed to change everything. It was then that we started discussing making a shift in our marketing plans across the board, changing our content plan for 2020 almost in its entirety. We used this podcast to begin sharing insights on how advisors were navigating in the new virtual world and where they were struggling and where they were having success. And really in those very early days and even a little bit beyond, I kind of felt like we had shifted to becoming a news organization of sorts. Well, today I am delighted to welcome Christine Shaw, CEO of Investment News, a true news organization for the financial advisory community. Christine took the reins of Investment News a little over a year ago. And I don't think that Investment News needs much introduction to this advisor audience, but Just in case we have some guests from outside the industry, Investment News is a multimedia platform that serves the financial advisory and asset management community. As CEO, Christine is responsible for daily operations of the company, including strategy, revenue, P&L management, HR, technology, customer relationships, and creating new products for the company. And if that isn't enough, Christine is also host of the Her Success Matters podcast series, which explores how we all can work together to break down internal barriers, create programs around diversity and inclusion, and build a pathway for women to succeed in their careers. Christine, I am so delighted that you could join us today. Welcome to the Flexible Advisor podcast. Laura, thank you so much. What a great introduction, and I am delighted to be here with you today. So, you know, as I mentioned, in fairly short order this year, it truly did feel like we shifted from a marketing organization to almost a newsroom. So I know what that was like for us, but I'd love to learn about what that looked like for your team. From a news reporting standpoint, how did the shift look? And look and was it more difficult for your editorial team to access industry 
experts that they needed to report on everything that was going on in the height of the pandemic? That's a great question, Laura. So interestingly enough, well, as we all know, we think of a newsroom and we truly did have that newsroom where all the editors, reporters, reporters worked together and gathered every morning for our morning news meeting. And never would we have thought that we could live in a world where the newsroom, the physical newsroom didn't exist, right? And it goes to show you sort of the kind of thinking we're programmed to believe in or to set in our minds. So at the time we made the decision to close the office, within 24 hours, the team was set up to work from home. Literally, it was like, we went home on a Thursday, we were all set up on a Friday. Of course, that came with some trepidation and uncertainty because at that time, nobody knew how long we would be home for. But to the team's credit, not only did they embrace it, but they adapted to it like nothing I've ever seen. And in terms of access, it's actually brought in the team close together because every morning now, even people who we had a few reporters remote, they're all on video conference calls. There's a lot more banter. We've lost the formality of report to the newsroom and it's more collaborative. And what we have found is that because people are not commuting and not on planes and trains, et cetera, that that the technology tools we have adopted have allowed us even better access than we had before to the people we need to talk to, to get the content that we need to produce. That's fantastic. And, you know, I mean, I always think of investment news as a business that's, you know, always brought people together throughout the industry. And pre-COVID, a lot of that togetherness was happening at in-person events. I, I myself was scheduled to speak at a Women Advisor Summit for Investment News. Uh, in March in California. And of course, that was rescheduled and then it was reimagined. Will you tell us about the pivot that you had to make to shift these really fairly large scale in-person events to virtual forums? Yeah, it's interesting. Of all the teams that I think of that work on investment news, the events team has been impacted the most because it's really one thing to do your same job, but do it at home than it is to take events that were in these large venues all over the US and now to create them virtually. So the very first thing we did, like many companies, is we sort of created a, a version of them that was virtual. And what we've learned in now being six months into this, it's really about the experience. So we have had a lot of great learning and a lot of positive feedback about our ability to not just replace and replicate what we were doing in an in-person environment, but the ability to ideate, change, and create some really engaging events that we have come up with all kinds of neat content that we probably wouldn't have done in person. A great example is we brought on a specialist on meditation because with people being home full-time, they need some mental breaks. We brought on a specialist on uh, healthy diets and how to work with your children if you're homeschooling while working from home. So those are just some examples and many more to come. I'm really proud of the events team and we have some great event content coming up and formats that we're really going to be proud to unveil over the next coming months. We're producing 
about 15 events between now and the end of the year. We're really excited to do that. Wow. So for me, I had a pretty busy travel schedule. Um, I still see it, you know, things on my calendar pop up. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be here this week, or I was supposed to be there this week. And so I've been able to do that, those events, if they continued and, and even more. And so, you know, that's been really fabulous for me. And uh, the podcast has given me the opportunity to engage with so many other people that I wouldn't have ordinarily. But I do love the in-person events. And I've heard some people say recently that as our virtual technology continues to improve, virtual is just going to wholesale replace in-person events due to the ease of it, the, the fact that it's much less expensive. I'm wondering what your crystal ball is telling you, Christine. <laughs> that's We all have that crystal ball we hope to have <laughs> on our desktop. But Laura, that's a great question. And I do spend a lot of my time outside my day-to-day role and sitting on things like CEO summits for events and what the future will look like and what it holds. And while no one has that magic crystal ball that you refer to, there's a lot of thinking around that and uh, surveying that's going into that to give us some ideas of what we feel. So our, I agree with you on human interaction. And I think that technology is a great enabler and technology allows us to do a lot of things and provides more flexibility to our jobs, to our lives and in all kinds of areas and applications. That said, I don't think it will replace the human interaction that we've come to know and love for events. With all that, though, I do believe it will be far into 2021 until we get back to in-person events. And there's several underlying reasons for them. The first reason is, I think, as a country and a world, we need to get more comfortable with COVID. We need more knowledge of it. And there's a lot of talk about a vaccine, vaccines and who knows when that will come and when that will be adopted. But there's certainly a lot of caution right now that people still have to get comfortable with it. The other thing too, there's a lot of research that suggests that companies are not going to return to their corporate travel spend fully, maybe ever, but at least not short term. So I think what's going to happen is over the next probably six to 12 months, you'll see that while people want to get back in person, a combination of COVID concern and a combination of corporate travel restrictions will prohibit some of that. I do think that towards the end of 2021, we'll see more tolerance for that. And our plan is to do some of our events in person, some of them that are a little bit smaller and don't have huge crowds, and that we will continue virtual for certain things as well. So I think it's going to be a mix is from our perspective at Investment News and what we're hearing with um, from our colleagues in not just our industry, but other industries. So, and I, I think the other thing too is we, a lot of people think, oh, well, if you're doing them virtually, it's a lot less expensive. And what you don't realize is that we've yeah. had to make a huge investment in technology and continue to do so. The tools and applications we were using 
at the beginning of this are not the tools and applications we're using now. And, and same with teams. We've had to outsource some production and bring on some pretty um, expensive resource to help give that amazing experience so that it's not just a Zoom meeting all day long. Yeah, I, I can relate. What we were using in March is completely different than what we're using today. And and we have different virtual tools for different types of calls, meetings, events, and whatnot. And and it is not cheap but to, to get the, the reliable networks that you need and the, the tools that you need to do it well. Yes. Other than reading the print online version of investment news, my, my first real engagement with the firm really began about five years ago when I shifted what was at that time a five-year running advisor survey that I had been conducting on uh, advisor attitudes towards investment management outsourcing. And the investment news research team did and continues to do a great job in helping us get those large-scale surveys out to advisors and then really doing, you know, pulling up their sleeves and digging in deeply to the data, find the story under the story. And I know our study is just one of so many that your team manages. I'm hoping that you could tell us a little bit about that research arm of the business, some of the studies you've partnered on and that you think are particularly relevant right now. Yeah, thank you, Laura. We do. I think um, a lot of people think of investment news as a weekly magazine and we're so much more than that and research is a component that is really important not just to us but to the industry and as we go forward so to answer specifically of course we're working on the outsourcing study of the FlexShare outsourcing study partnering with you we are also working on our uh, elite RIA study which we've been doing for several years and we partner with E-Trade on that we have our benchmarking reports which focus on price and profitability and also compensation and staffing. And we partner with Pershing on that. And then we're really excited about a new study. We've just partnered with the American College of Financial Services, and that's about diversity. And what that is specifically is finding out from firms where they stand on diversity, what policies they have in place to be a more diverse, inclusive industry and firm. And we're really excited to partner with the American College on that and to be able to provide some data around that. And then we're also partnering with Transamerica on a Pulse study. So lots of good information. And our goal as we go into 2021 is to do more data and indexing. So we have that type of data and research available for subscribers as well. That's fantastic. Um, And I'm really excited to hear about the American College of Financial Services. You know, I know for many years, investment news, like lectures in Northern Trust, um, has really been devoted to diversity to uh, talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion and advancing it. And, And I know that that investment news has, has been pushing contents and events as it relates to supporting women in the industry and racial diversity and inclusion. Since you've taken the helm, I'm, I'm thrilled to see that that continues. And I kind of feel that maybe it's even been ratcheted up a notch or two. Will you, will you tell us about what's been driving that commitment and tell us a little bit about Bonhill Group and if, if that 
connection has helped elevate the discussion in this industry on gender and racial diversity. Yeah, so to your point, Laura, um, Investment News has always been committed to this. Also, for me personally and for Bon Hill, it's part of our DNA. It's who we are and what we believe. I think that while we are doing a study on diversity to figure out where people are at and to gather data, it's not just about data or ticking a box. It's about everyday actions. It's about hiring a diverse workforce. It's about policies. It's about inclusion. It's about training. So for me personally, I came through my career in a non-diverse environment for years. And then you wake up and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm part of the problem really, because I'm in this environment that we just weren't very diverse. And as I realized the importance of this, and also to, I have family members that are people of color. And so it's part of my family. And when you realize um, that you have responsibility and you can take actions to make a difference, then you become very passionately committed to that. And same with Bon Hill. So we have a brand over there called Diversity IQ, and it's a UK-focused team that does a lot of research and a lot of work around this as well. And that's part of how we've gotten some help on how to take it from day-to-day actions and put it into some research that will help our industry improve in this area and continue to grow and do better. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, we've been talking about the lack of diversity for so, so many years. And, um, you know, I'm hoping as, as difficult as these summer months have been, I'm very hopeful that all of the protests around the globe indicates that we're in a movement and not a moment anymore. And um, so congratulations to you for, for pushing that envelope at Investment News even further. And, you know, I'm also curious, Christine, so you've, you've been at this a little more than a year now. Is there, are there other things that you've brought to investment news that you're particularly excited about, things that are new and different that you'd like to share? Yes. Yeah, so thank you for asking that question specifically. I think the most important, the, the one thing I'm most proud of is our shift to a technology transformation online and how we serve our audience. As we mentioned at the beginning, it's funny when you say investment news really doesn't need an introduction, but I always say to the team, people really don't know investment news. They know us, but they don't know the new investment news. And what I be, mean by that is it's been built on amazing quality content for years and years. And it's an incredible brand. And the shift that we have done is we built a new technology stack and a portal. And you'll see phases of this as we're rolling out each piece of it. And I would say in about two weeks time, if you go and visit us, you'll see our navigation has completely changed. What we do is we're building content around communities by vertical market segments. And some examples are that, or our women advisor community, our retirement planning community, our ESG community. We have a brand now called ESG Clarity. But the whole idea, Laura, is that people really are interested in building community around topics. And so the news is important and the news will always be what we do really, really well, but it's about strategic content that helps guide and that it's information that not just stories that we write about, but data and research that support it. So we wanna go from just reporting the news to really taking that content to a level that helps people 
do their jobs better and gives them the information they need to run their firm better, to grow their business space, to reach more advisors, and to really be the best financial advisor they can be through the content we provide. And you'll see that firsthand if you if you had a screenshot of what the online site looked like a year ago to now, it's like two completely different experiences. So we're very proud of that work. That's fantastic. And I think, you know, I mean, I know, I, I want to know what my peers uh, are doing. I know that advisors feel that way. We always want to grow better and, and find out what's working and what's not. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And one of the communities that we definitely want to talk about today is the female community. And I'd love for you to share a bit around the inspiration for your podcast series, Her Success Matters. When and why did you decide to launch the podcast? And tell me about, you know, have you enjoyed it? And, and what can listeners expect to learn by listening to it? Yes. Yeah, so in terms of the inspiration, really, so about probably it was a year ago, almost a year ago in October, because I keep a little notebook of all my thoughts, random thoughts and ideas. <laughs> and I wrote down the, the term, her success matters. And it just started to hit me. And every year I work on what are the goals I have for myself personally. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, how can I help more women bridge the gap and feel connected in their careers from when they enter the career, the gap to when they excel and become in managerial level, because we know all too often, a lot of women stop midpoint in their career. And so my thinking around it was there has to be a way to help other women, to give them that confidence, to give them the learning, to share some of the stories and ideas. And so that's where it came from. And then when I thought about financial services and why I decided to do it for investment news is because financial services is one of those industries that traditionally has been male dominated because more women just typically choose careers that are more like teachers and nurses and, and lean into the nurturing side of women. And it's been harder to build those careers into areas like financial services or technology or other other career choices like that. So I thought, you know what, Investment News has an amazing platform. I have a lot of personal experience and I think that this is something the industry needs and we could make a difference. So when I first started out with it, it was actually a conversation, a hallway conversation with Michael Durbin. And he was telling me about Fidelity's program as, of men as allies. And so I asked Mike if he would come on initially, which seemed odd because here's a guy, but really leaning into um, how a company like Fidelity does it. And what what I realized, so in terms of enjoying it and what have I learned, oh my goodness, Lord, there's so many stories out there. There are so many inspirational women, yourself being one of them. There is so many people out there who are willing to help, who have amazing stories, who are so inspiring. And as this has gone on and it's grown larger than I ever thought, I am so inspired myself personally by one, how many women want to share, how many people want to share, how many people care about this. And it's just incredible. And there's, so what it tells me is we're not alone. Women like you and I are not alone. And more importantly, we've learned a lot and we can share our learnings with the young women who are building their careers today. And by doing so, 
we can change financial services and we can make an impact on the outcome of people's savings and their investments in their portfolios and how they do, because having more women involved in this absolutely will help us grow. And I'm excited about it. So. Oh, I, I am excited too, because we all really do have to come together as an industry and, um, and support this. And, you know, there were two things that you, you mentioned right there that really struck a chord with me. And, you know, one was um, women tend to go into nurturing fields like nursing and teaching. And that's true. But, you know, if you think about it, especially in the financial advisor role, how more nurturing of a job can you have than to help people imagine their future and build the goals and the plan to reach it and to provide a legacy for their families. You know, I just think that people wrongly get caught up into the, the numbers part of our business when really, you know, you can teach that part of the business, but you can't teach people how to care. Laura, so I could I, not agree uh, with you more on that. And thank you for saying it in that way, because you're right. Like as a woman to know, that you could help people achieve their lifetime goals, their retirement goals, their whatever it is they want to achieve, but that you're listening to them, you're learning about them, and you're helping and building that relationship. There's nothing more satisfying. You're right. It's the most important thing, right, is to be able to have that financial security and freedom. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I am thrilled. Uh, you invited me to be a guest on your podcast and, and I'm sure we'll get to talk about this in greater length then, but I'm really excited about it. And congratulations to you on, on forging ahead with this really important discussion, um, that we really all need to keep front and center for, for all women and men in our industry and people of color. So we're up to our time today, but you know, we ask all of our guests if they could leave us with uh, an actionable idea for our advisor listeners. And I'm wondering if there's one or two things that you believe advisors should be focused on today to ensure their success and their relevance for the future. Yes. So I, I think that the advice I would say is embrace technology become really good at it because even when we're in a world where we're back to human interaction, which we all look forward to is the technology adoption and adaption is actually going to help you become better at the human networking, if that makes sense. Right? So technology can be an enabler to help you develop those nurturing relationships as an advisor. And there's nothing that can replace that. So make technology your friend and become really good at it and use tools and products out there that are technology focused and you'll do amazing. Fantastic. Uh, Christine, thank you so much for joining us today on the Flexible Advisor podcast. And for those of you who would like to learn more about Christine's podcast, Her Success Matters. You can find it on the Investment News website, or you can download it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for your time today, Christine. Thank you, Laura. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.